Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Analyzing Everton with me, David Hughes, and of course, as always, Josh Williams. Josh, we're recording and analyzing Everton finally. Oh, yeah, I feel like I've, uh, I've aged a lifetime, to be honest, mate, since we, we last <laughs> recorded. I've got clear ears in that now. <laughs> That's just from watching Everton, I think, to be honest, mate. But um, <laughs> maybe not so much, actually, the start of this season, at least, because... Um, Quite conveniently, we've um, we've been putting the show back for a couple of weeks to the point where um, we're seven games in and, and Everton look all right. Look quite good, actually. Um, so, yeah, that's quite convenient on our part. But um, the show is long overdue. Apologies for those who've been waiting for it. But uh, here we are, finally. Uh, so today we'll, we'll have a little look at what's happened uh, in the start of the season so far. Because last time we spoke, Josh, I think was before... The campaign started um, and obviously with seven games in now a little bit of a, a better feel better idea for for what happens and um, maybe a better picture of this Everton side as well so we'll have a look at the results so far we'll crunch the numbers a little bit as we always do um it's probably still a little bit early isn't it to make any sort of sweeping conclusions josh based on number of games and different uh opposition and so on and so forth but we'll still do it anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll just caveat it a lot, uh, and then we'll we'll maybe have a look look ahead to to what's to come as, as well. Um, but we'll start with what's happened so far. Uh, we're seven games in. Everton have won four, drawn two, and lost one. Um, the fixtures bit of a mixed bag. Southampton at home, Leeds away, Brighton away. Burnley at home, Aston Villa away, Norwich at home, and then Man United, which was last week. Um, Josh, just give me your general thoughts on the results, Evan, so far, and and if if they've kind of performed as you expected, or or maybe outperformed. I'll be honest, mate. I am very, very encouraged, um, and I think you know, long term listeners of this show will will know throughout last season that I had a prediction um, and it was kind of a recurring theme on the show because at times Ancelotti's Everton were kind of, I suppose, performing above expectation maybe, getting more points than you'd maybe expect. And I predicted all season, I think, that they would not finish higher than eighth. Um, it ended up coming into fruition, which is, I suppose, good for me. Um, but I, I kept my stance throughout the whole season. This season, I have already changed what I what I think Everton are going to do this season. And I'm looking back at what our first episode of the campaign. I'm a bit disappointed in myself for what, in us, to be honest, at, at how we previewed Everton's campaign. Because um, I looked at the situation a few weeks ago and I thought to myself, hang on, there were points of Rafa Benitez there, a manager that we think is more suited to this current Everton squad than Ancelotti was. And okay, they've lost time as Rodriguez, but they've added Andros Townsend and they've added the Mardi Gray. So, but but we then expected the team to finish, I think we said between 10th and 13th. Hmm. Um, and just looking back at that, and I'm not exactly sure. Maybe we were, we was getting a little bit carried away with the clamour of what it could be like if it went wrong. You know, Rafa lost a few games or it could obviously get a bit toxic given there's Liverpool past. But... I think looking at that, I, I am a bit, 
I, I would like to reconsider what I predicted. I don't know about yourself. Hmm. Are you going in? I ready to uh, reconsider so soon. <laughs> I mean, not not too dramatic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I I don't think Everton will finish tenth to thirteenth anymore. Mm. Um, and that's just not that's not me being reactionary again. Like I, I like to revert back to what I did last season. People will know that I don't just change my uh, predictions based on very little. So, but but this I feel is is going a certain way and. I don't think anything will do anything specifically dramatic. I don't think it'll be sixth or above or anything like that. But I think it'll be between ninth and seventh, somewhere like okay. that, which is okay. considerably better than I initially predicted. Um, but that, and that's just that's just on the back of what I've seen so far from Everton, how Rafa's got the team playing, and I suppose as well that the underlying numbers look decent. Yeah, definitely. So to answer your question, uh, I would also adjust my prediction. Um, I think at the start of the campaign, there were, the, the biggest fear factor really was um, how things would play out with Benitez um, and how quickly that could turn toxic. Um, and I'm pretty sure Everton had just come off a 4-0 defeat in a pre-season friendly at Old Trafford the week before. Um, which said at the time was a, a very strange fixture to play so close to the start of the campaign. Um, and I do wonder whether there was some recency bias in that. Um, however, I will say uh, the defeat to Aston Villa followed by the cup exit to QPR, you did hear a few of those murmurs, a few, the, the kind of stuff that maybe we were, were fearing would happen uh, if Evan if didn't start too well. Obviously, that was kind of put to bed with the victory against Norwich, and you know, as a as a whole, as a picture, Everton do look pretty good. Um, beyond the results, I think the performances have been there as well. I think the you know the results have been partnered with the performances, and I think quite often last season uh, the the performance aspect was was often admitted, you know, it wasn't always there, uh, but it seems to be there a little bit more. Um, I mean, I thought this was really interesting, but we'll, we'll maybe just start touching on the numbers, Josh, but um, I had a quick look at the expected points table, um, courtesy of understat model. And I looked at that because specifically last season, um, Evan were kind of, you know, lower mid table, um, after their good start, seven games. Um, this season, however, the third, only City and Liverpool uh, above them in the expected points table, which is quite interesting. Because um, as I said, last season, they were they, they, they were quite far down and that's why we were kind of preempting issues on the horizon. Um, I thought it was quite interesting that everything feels a little bit modest right now. You know, nobody getting carried away and rightfully so, but... Everton are currently a, a point better off than what they were after seven games last season. Uh, and it felt like last season it was hysteria. You know, in fact, the Champions League was definitely going to be a a, a battle, uh, you know, going to compete for those places. Obviously, it didn't end up materialising for the reasons that we've covered a few times. But, um, yeah, the, the kind of basic underlying numbers look good. Um, should do you, do you want to add anything on that now, Josh, before I move on to... A bit more detail on the numbers. Um, I think 
uh, one thing I've I've referenced a few times on this show is is goal difference. Um, because the past two seasons, Everton have finished with a negative goal difference. Um, and it's not. <laughs> it doesn't highlight the table overly because obviously, say for example, Manchester City, they will win a lot of games six nil, five nil. Um, but they might not win every game. They might lose a few games, and they might not win the league despite having probably the best goal difference in the league since Pep Guardiola's arrived, apart from maybe his first season. Um, but if Everton are posting a negative goal difference, you're going to do well to finish above 10th, really, mm. um, because you've conceded more goals than you've scored. Mm. Um, so far this season, based on what I've seen, I- I'm pretty confident that Rafa's going to get delivered a, a positive point total this season. Currently on plus... Uh, point total, positive uh, goal difference, sorry. Uh, currently on plus five. Um, and that's without Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison in some games. Um, and I think defensively, Everton have been a bit unlucky to concede some of the goals they've conceded. Hmm. So I would expect Everton this season to finish with a positive goal difference. And that, on its own, just usually delivers a top-half finish as mm. as kind of like a, a minimum really. Mm. Um but then where where that will be in the top half, it's it is difficult to say at the minute like yeah. last season. West Ham are probably a bit of a template for Everton to maybe aim towards last season. West Ham finished sixth in the table with a, a goal difference of plus fifteen. Um Everton as I said currently plus five. Arsenal finished eighth on plus sixteen. Spurs finished seventh on plus twenty-three. Leeds finished ninth on plus eight. Um I suppose Aston Villa a bit of an exception. Um they finished on plus nine, but finished eleventh in the table. But they did have a few monumental wins, particularly over my club. <laughs> seven <laughs> yeah. seven two. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think that's I just want to flag that that generally bodes really well for Everton and I think Rafa will will deliver the, the club's first positive goal difference in two seasons. Mm. And <clears throat> just on that subject of goals, um, I think what's quite nice so far, and I, I did mention it a couple of days ago, but all four of Everton's Premier League wins have been by a two-plus goal margin so far. Um, and that's as, as many as Ancelotti's Everton had across the whole of last season. Um and that ties into what we were saying at the time. Both it was very much a coin toss, you know, Everton getting on the right side of the, the key moments as opposed to maybe doing enough performance wise to, to bag the victory. Um Well, so, you know, I'm not I'm not sure you're gonna specifically go into this, but just in case you're not, I'll just raise it now. Hmm. Um I'm looking at Everton's Premier League games so far this season. Obviously they've played seven. And obviously in this podcast we covered expected goals. One of the reasons we covered expected goals is because generally if you've got expected goals in your favour on a regular basis, you're just more inclined to win more matches because I suppose probability is is on your side almost. Mm. Um, and if you look at Everton's game so far this season, they have lost the XG in just one game, and that was against Aston Villa away. Mm. Uh, obviously, it was a three nil loss. I think that was a bit heavy. I don't think it was a three nil loss um, mm. according to the actual shots that Villa had. But in every other game, Everton have, have posted a better or a level expected goals with, with the teams they've been facing, which is pretty decent considering, you know, the face Leeds, the face Brighton, which uh, who have had a good season so far. And we know that they're typically very good on the underlying numbers side. Mm. And they've faced Manchester United very recently. So 
again, it just reaffirms the, I suppose, the stance that Everton do look generally better across the board this season. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, if we if we stay on that point. Now you compare the seven games to thirty-eight, so you know with a pinch of salt in some aspects. But if we just treat it as indications, um, the, the, on average, they're shooting more. Um, 12.86 shots per 90 compared to 10.39 last season. Uh, and you touched on a little bit there, accumulating a higher XG average per 90 as well. 1.62 per 90 compared to 1.37 last term. Um, obviously, only talking small margins and we're not making any sort of long-term assessments. But I think that that's that's worth noting for two reasons. One, when people were talking about Benitez at the start of the campaign, um, there was this expectancy for this really... Darwin, negative football, you know, kind of defend first, uh, attack as and when you can, but it's all about just kind of defensive aspects of the game. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case. Everton seem to be doing quite well uh, in, in, under the tactics that he's deploying, and we'll touch on them in a little bit. Uh, but also, and it's actually something you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, They've done it without probably the two best attackers. You know, Richarlison has missed quite a few games now. Uh, Calvert-Lewin feels like he's been out all season. Obviously, he hasn't because he got a goal, uh, I think, against Southampton. But uh, pretty much since then, he's been unavailable. So you're kind of looking at players like Rondon. Um, and then you, you've had, like, the Gray step up. Townsend step up. Um, the Corey doing really well. Um these players kind of stepping up in their absence and, and having a really big uh, influence in the, you know, kind of opposition's half and the attacking third. And I said, that's boasting good. That's kind of really bumping up Everton's underlying attacking numbers. And, you know, whether that can be sustainable, we'll wait and see. Uh, if there's tougher fixtures, it, it might drop a little bit. But I think the, the fixtures as a whole, uh, maybe if there would have been one or two more uh, of the traditional top four teams, it could have been a bit tougher, but on the whole, they, I wouldn't say they've been really easy. Leads away, Brighton away, tough games. Uh, Old Trafford, another tough game. You know, that's nearly half of the the matches that you played so far, and there's definitely three tough matches. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's been a walk in the park for Everton. Um, so, to no, see I'd those say it's is, is good. Yeah, no, I'd say they've had a fairly what what you'd label the middle of the road start really in terms of the fixtures that they've been presented with. As you said, I don't think it's been easy. I don't think it's been hard. Bit of, bit of a middle road there, but I've just had a look at the um, the expected goals numbers last season for Everton, uh, specifically in their games. Obviously, I've just mentioned there that they've played seven games so far and they've had the better or a level expected goals in six of them, six out of seven, which is obviously really good. Last season, I've just looked at the numbers um, and out of the, uh, the 38 Premier League games, they had the better numbers in 16 of them. Um, now, 16 sounds like a decent number, but that works out as roughly 42% of the season. Um, so if you think of what's left, there's a there's a larger portion left, basically, larger portion of games left in which Everton didn't post. Larger portion of games left where Everton lost the XG, basically. Mm. And obviously you can win a match by losing the expected goals, but as I said, it's just a probability thing. It's just less on on your side, and if you're starting to pick up results, but you're losing the XG all the time, you're gonna fall off a cliff eventually. I think we mm-hmm. tipped a few times last season that the, the cliff dive is coming, um, and I think it, it did eventually arrive towards the end of the season. Um, 
But I think what I'm stressing is just this season so far, obviously to, to post at least comparable but usually better numbers in six out of seven games just bodes well moving forward if it, if it can continue. And I'm assuming if it can even improve once once Calvert-Lewin and the Charleston are playing every week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the point you're obviously trying to make, and it's, it's correct, is we know football's completely va- like volatile, it's chaotic, and, you know, results can just happen. On You, you could have the opposition having 20 shots, you have one, and you win 1-0. We, we know all that, but it is just about trying to manage as many as many aspects as, as you can. And if you tend to accumulate the higher XG, if you tend to take more shots than the opponents, then across the course of a campaign, you should pick up more points. You know, that's just that's just how it works. Um, yeah. I think I've I seen a quote once, really like the quote, I think I've mentioned it to you once before, Dave, but football, I think, was described once as chess, but with dice. Basically, and the <laughs> yeah. dice is obviously the variance, the randomness of football that can just kind of punch you. But if you've got more things under your control in the game, there will always be dice there. But the more things you have under your control, the more I suppose the dice will be wasted on on, on your side in a way. Hmm. Um, hence, you know, the the better you are, the better performing you are on the numbers side, not on the probability side. The more you tend to win. You know, just look at Manchester City. Liverpool, Chelsea, since Thomas Tuchel took charge, um, do you just win more games than you lose? And a lot of that stems from the the deserving to win based on the performance, especially the taking care of. Yeah, I agree. Um, in terms of those performances, so um, one thing that maybe we we did, and not not exclusively, us, I'm just talking about maybe fans and pundits alike. But one thing we did predict is Everton to probably be a Saudi focus. Less on dominating the ball, uh, and maybe more of this kind of direct um, ploy, direct tactic. Uh, which, to be fair, we kind of said we'd be happy to see. We, we think it would suit Evan better. But early science says it is. Um, remarkably, got the lowest possession average in the in the division so far. Took that crown off the likes of Burnley and Newcastle, who seems to uh, who seems to win it every year. Um, but Evan so far, just I think just over forty percent. He've had. Um, so clearly, you know, it's, it's, it is that kind of sitting in and then looking to punish teams on the break, uh, with direct play. And I guess, although it seems very basic, you know, basic stuff, um, it's, it's so much more, the, the, the transfers haven't made in the summer just makes so much more sense to play with this way. And it feels like Everton in the past, they've muddied the waters, haven't they, with who they're buying, but then what the style of play they're trying to implement. This year, um, the the signings looked fairly underwhelming on on the surface. Uh, in fact, a lot of people were pretty disappointed. Um, but in terms of profile, Everton kind of brought in exactly what they need to to implement this, this style, and they're doing it, and they're looking dangerous doing it. So, you know, it's kind of like... Hopefully, a lesson learned going forward, even when money is more freely available. No, I really, really like it, um, and I think it's probably another lesson for us, just generally in terms of you can, you can never really judge a transfer until you see how the player is going to be used, and you, and you can see what the plan is behind using the player. Um, and I think it goes back to that that typical Everton thing, really, where the the club just do seem to do a lot better business when they're. When you haven't got as much to spend, basically, yeah. and, and and forced to, to think smartly and things, um, 
But yeah, I'm a big fan of what Benitez is doing so far. And I think one thing we mentioned quite a lot is the Everton's need for a, for a coach who will impose a style of play that just adequately represents what the people want to see and what the people can relate to. And I've said I've said a few times that I think Everton relates to an aggressive style of play, direct, quick, um, practical. I think is a good word. Mm. You know, no sideways lateral passes, nothing like that. Just just kind of a, a modern interpretation of kind of get it in the mixer type thing. But mm. but again, more modern than that. Not just. Yeah. Burnley type thing with a bit of quality, but say maybe like the goal against United. I know that was a counter attack, but just, yeah. you know that kind of fast play, a few nice touches on on roofs and things. Yeah, but this is another thing that I, I think I personally might have overlooked when Everton appointed Rafa because one thing Rafa does definitely understand is the city of Liverpool. He, he does get Liverpool as a city without doubt, um, and I, I I did overlook at the time just how how much he, he'd kind of nail the football Everton fans want to see. And I think he's kind of establishing that just a little bit deeper on the numbers. Um, so in terms of passes per sequence in the league, um, only Burnley and Brentford um, adopt fewer passes per sequence than Everton in the, in the season so far. Um, direct speed as well. Everton's quite high up the pitch. Uh, Everton's quite high up the table, sorry. In terms of passing sequences for the opposition, every 10 passes, um, Everton are near the bottom of the table by by Burnley, so they're kind of allowing that. Um, and in terms of build-up attacks, which is like basically Manchester City, again, Everton are really low on the table. So just those kind of metrics that cover team style and the metrics that highlight Okay, are you a, are you a counter-attacking team or are you a possession-based team? You can quite clearly see Benitez has no interest in having the ball unless he's able to use the ball in a practical way quickly. And if he can't use the ball in a practical way, fine, you can have a back. It's, it's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, When it's won, it, the idea is obviously progressing towards the opposition's goal quickly uh, as opposed to, yeah, you know, kind of setting up structures. Um and you know, build. I, I guess out sustaining a lengthy spells on the ball. It, it, it's just it's it's with purpose, isn't it? It's going forward with with purpose, um, which I do think suits this team uh, well. And I, I don't know if you could make a case that maybe Ancelotti was trying to do that at times. Um, and I guess my next question would be: Is is this Emmett side at risk of? fallen into the same traps when maybe the they have to come up against opponents who are quite happy to sit in you know not not give them any space to space to attack um and kind of not really give them the opportunities to counter either now <clears throat> i saw uh, the burnley game as a really big test in that sense you know, because Burnley are the epitome of that team who, you know, at home especially, they'll come in, they, they, they have no interest in having the ball. Uh, they're, they're going to restrict kind of spaces in behind and you're going to have to play through them. Um, but Everton won that 3-1. Uh, it wasn't the, the easiest of performances, um, but they did enough to win it. And 
you know, I guess maybe if you can produce the quality in, on those occasions this season, then that can kind of counteract any issues you might you might find against those teams. Yeah, well, it's going to be that's going to be an interesting one tomorrow as we're moving forward because you know, as we've said, I don't think Benitez is by any means a possession based coach, and I think he would rather face a team like Brighton or face a team like you know with structural issues like Manchester United rather than being the dominant side. But what I will say is, whenever he is the dominant side when he says he will he will kind of license more attack and threat um so you'll probably see the likes of the given even more license to get into the box than he is usually given but to be fair he's been given a fair bit lately and i think when he says again has just looked at the player the team and what he's good at and he's quite clearly presented with a platform to do that which i think he's brilliant at um but i think against these these sides we're ever another favorites when he says it's just, it's just a type to think, right, we are the favourites today, we can't attack more. And whenever mm. Everton aren't the favourites, that will be less the case. Um, but going back to what you said earlier, I have been a little bit surprised, to be honest, just how attacking Everton have been. I mean, they, they have posed that. I mean, you made the, the call earlier in the season about the Marty Gray being a, a prominent figure. And I doubted a little bit simply because of um, what I thought he offered without the ball. I thought he was a bit of a, a bit of a hammer, to be honest, in terms of uh, being a bit of a passenger and being a bit of a luxury. And obviously, he didn't make it at Leicester, didn't make it at Leverkusen. So I wasn't really sure what to judge of him. But I've been really impressed with him so far. And I, again, it goes back to that. I have been impressed so far with with Benitez's willingness to to entertain, not entertain, but he, he has posed more of a threat than I thought he would you know, on the mm. attacking side of the game. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, Anthony says, I think what whilst we're talking about him, what's really been impressive, I think, is uh, his ability to kind of adapt um, the way Everton do things. You know, if it feels like it, there's he's quite good at implementing a solid plan B if plan A doesn't go to plan. Um, you know, I was. Talking, I was on an Arsenal podcast this week, um, and you, I, I know you'd echo these comments because me and you spoke a few times, Josh. But for me, with I just feel like with Arsenal, for example, um, if you manage to stop um, Mikel Arteta or stop Arsenal's plan A, you don't really tend to need to worry about a plan B. Uh, I think they almost exclusively stay in like a four-two-three-one. If if they need to make changes, it tends to just be like for like. I think Everton under Benitez, it's different. He, he seems to adapt really well in game. His substitution seems to impact things. He, he, he'll, he's not scared to adjust formations. Um, Everton have gone with a couple of different ones. I think they've at one point gone with the three at the back. There's four, two, three, one. There's they've gone the four kind of four, four, one, one, pretty much um, with the injuries. And this, I, I thought this statistic really captured it. Uh, we talked a lot last season with Ancelotti that um, the, the first goal tended to be key. Uh, he didn't maybe adapt as well in game. Um, and Everton won 16 of the 19 league games in which they scored the game's open goal last season. Uh, but they only won one of the 17 in which the opposite opposition scored first. So that amounted to just seven points accumulated uh, from these initial losing positions. Everton have already f- conceded the first goal four times this season and they've, they've won seven points from those positions. So they've already matched the, to- the total 
this season from the whole of last season, uh, which is, you know, it's. It, I think that in itself is quite telling. Yeah, well, it goes back to what Benitez is just typically like. He is very much a, a, a game state type manager rather than adopting some form of set philosophy. This is how we play every week or whatever. He is kind of, you know, I'll I'll deploy my team accordingly based on whether we're favourites, whether we're not, whether we're getting beat, whether we're drawing, whether we're winning. He will change all according to that. It will never be a, sing, a single way. Um, I must be honest, I don't think he'll be happy that Everton have gone down four times. Yeah. Um, that'll be something that he certainly wants to do because he'll want to console the game state, basically. But mm. I do think it shows that, I think specifically, it might have been the Burnley game. Uh, I think Everton, did Everton go with four, th- uh, three, three at the back that game? Uh, good question. I can't remember. Uh, I could have sworn Everton went with a three at the back against Burnley. It might have it been that game, yeah. It was the Monday night game, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't really work. Everton conceded, I think, around the 60th minute and straight away, Rafa went for the back four and I think scored three. Yeah. Um, so, and it was in quick succession as well. It was like three goals in like 10 minutes. <laughs> um, so, again, it just, it, but he wouldn't, I don't think he'd have made that change if Everton hadn't conceded. Mm. Now, whether you deem that to be a good thing or a bad thing, I don't even know, to be honest. Because I sometimes you can look at it as, well, regardless of the result, regardless of the scoreline, if the match isn't going your way, change. But then at the same time, it's if it's if a change isn't needed, it's not I don't know, there's a different ways to look at it, isn't he? Yeah, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Is it is it an, an immediate reaction to um the goal as opposed to necessarily the, the game not going I, to plan. Yeah, I suppose I suppose what I'm getting at, it's quite reactive rather than proactive. I think that's mm. what I'm getting at. Yeah. But again, if it if it works for Rafa, it works for Rafa. Yeah, yeah. I uh, must admit I haven't got too many issues with that as long as it results in a victory. <laughs> if it didn't, then yeah, fair enough. Um we've already touched on a couple of them, but feels like a good opportunity to to briefly speak about some of the players who've who've impressed so far. Um, we may as well start with the, the two who've come in. Uh, Damari Gray, I think he's been. Yeah, I mean, thankfully you 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 mentioned it, so I didn't have to. But yeah, I, I kind of tipped him to do quite well, just because I thought his profile and whatever were going to be this this year, I felt like he could be a big player in it. And um, he he looks really good to the point where I'm starting to think that this could represent a really good buy because um, he looks so sharp, doesn't he? He does. He looks really impressive, and he's he's just so explosive. Um, and I think part of the reason, maybe, that he didn't particularly thrive specifically at Leicester, he he seems to always be used as a wide player, always be used as like a winger type. Hmm. Um, one thing I've been a bit surprised by is Rafa using him in a central role, but he seems to have thrived. He he really does seem to have thrived as kind of a link. Especially as part of a counter-attacking system, given his, you know, his explosiveness, his ability to carry the ball and things. Um, and for, I mean, one point two was it? One point eight million? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It it does look like a snippet, especially for a player who's who's obviously homegrown and English, um, and still relatively young. How old is the Marty Gray now? Is he? I'm sure he's only twenty-five. Um, he is. 25, yeah, so yeah, still a fair few years ahead of him. Really good so signing. Prime years, prime years still ahead of him. Yeah, but considering that specifically how he's been used, Benitez has, has made that a really good sign, in my opinion. Um, 
And I, you know, I think it's I think it's been a great sign, yeah. So the other player who I never saw this coming, I'll be honest. Uh Andros Townsend has been on fire. Um <laughs> on, he's got so I'm just looking through now. He's in, in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven appearances. He's got uh five goals and two assists, you know. Um and then he got one against Southampton as well, a bit early in the season. But I, uh, I can't. I'm, I'm really surprised. I just didn't see it coming. Um, now <clears throat> we should probably taper expectations on Townsend. I don't believe um, these are obviously sustainable numbers because he's he's never really produced similar um, for such a prolonged period. We're more than likely going to see a drop off to that eventually. Uh, but it, it, even now, for the free transfer and the impact he's had, had he finished this campaign with, what was it, something like five goals and three assists, you probably would have went, oh, that was all right for a, a free piece of business there, wouldn't you? Um, but obviously, there's still like probably three quarters of the campaign to go. Yeah, I mean, I'd be... I'd be very surprised if he if he kept scoring to that extent. Um but in, initially I'm not I'm not that surprised that he's contributed how he has because um I mean more specifically in, in Everton's brand of football rather than I mean goal specifically goals. I didn't expect him to get the goals, but hmm. I think looking at Gray and Townsend, one thing I did like about those signs at the time was it was quite clearly Rafa adding what Everton didn't have. And he was adding what Everton had, had needed really for a few years. With that being a essentially wingers, you know, Everton had no 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 real wide threat at all, um, which is mad considering you had arguably two strikers whose predominant strength is aerially, mm. um, but also just kind of that that mobility, that speed to get up the pitch and execute what is a counter attacking st- style of football. So you know, Townsend is getting on and. It's obviously a free transfer. There's a, there's a ceiling for what that deal will be, but early on, I think he's he, he has obviously contributed really well. I think he, his numbers would argue be even better if if the two strikers had stayed had stayed fit. Obviously, they missed the past few weeks, but I think it was really sensible getting them in, considering it was basically what Everton didn't have, and they've quite clearly benefited from adding them and and more by 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 adding even more goals than they probably expected. Mm. You do wonder, don't you, if, um, say, if Everton had the funds that they've had for the last couple of seasons, had it's more than likely they probably would have pursued the player um, with, you know, maybe a price well, tag of thirty million or something uh, in that position, and and maybe well, had maybe half the success. Well, I'll be honest, there was a link a few months back to Dwight McNeil. And yeah. I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit and was like, oh, it's kind of a little bit, it's very Everton-like, isn't it? I mean, picking up a player who's going to be very expensive from a Premier League team, how good is he going to be? That that type of thing. But since I have seen McNeil play this season, specifically against Liverpool, he was a real problem. Um, and looking at what Rafa's done with the team and specifically how Townsend has thrived and how how good the Charleston and Calvert Lewin are off the back of crosses and things like that. I do actually look at Dwight McNeil now and think, okay, he'd cost a fair bit, but he would be a real problem for that Everton team, and he just he'd only add to the 
the threat that specifically Gray has offered that is really difficult to contain. I think McNeil specifically wants paired with players like that. Because if you think of Burnley, he's kind of all you've got to manage on that side of things. Mm. If you managed the explosiveness, the the mobility, the, the cross and threat of him, nobody else really provides it. Mm. But at Everton, if you were to put him in a front line alongside Gray and Townsend and you've got, you know, Vichalison and Calvert-Lewin that he's feeding, I think he could have been a real problem. So I do think that Everton's business, I wouldn't be surprised if it just generally improved simply because of Rafa. I don't think Rafa's the type to chase short-term buys like a Hammers. I think he's more sensible. You know, he was Rafa signed some top players at Liverpool. You know, he signed he brought Xabi Alonso to Liverpool. No one had heard of him. Mm. Fabio Aurelio was a really good sign. He was desperate to get in Danny Alves, but the club wouldn't sanction it. This was while he was at Sevilla. Mm. Brought Fernando Torres to the club. Um, Javier Mascherano, he brought to the club. Mm. He moved Gerard into a number 10 area, which is arguably his best performance at Liverpool. So, honestly, Rafa's a top, top coach. Yeah. And he's one of the few. He's probably the closest that Everton have had since Moyes, who is a really good coach, really good manager and all that sort of stuff, but, but really understands recruitment as well. And mm. I think a lot of coaches don't have that. They think they, they might think they do, but they really don't. They're not really no. good at recruiting, not really good at squad building. Rafa is. Yeah, I agree. Um, he seems to be having a big say in, in, in the transfers, which, uh, again, kind of, you don't really know what's the, what, what the structure is behind the scenes with, with brands and stuff. But, um, I mean, let's be honest, if you, you have got to find a balance between the manager and the director of football in terms of targets. You can't just... some Well, some clubs can, but Everton couldn't just have a... a have in place where they just tell the manager the players that they're buying because I just don't think they're streamlined enough for that be, to be a success uh, at the moment. So, yeah, um, on your point, McNeil, uh, I would definitely go back in for McNeil because I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, I think he's still a problem for teams when he's playing for Burnley and that's with uh, probably a lot of the kind of pre-match opposition analysis work focusing on his threat but then if you if you add a few more prongs to that in you know Calvert-Lewin, Richardson, Gray um, it becomes a, a a really good kind of uh, attacking line and not just a good attacking line but one one that really complements each other uh, which I think is key you, you know you you can get a, a front line of, of good players but if you don't complement each other you're not really going to maximise the potential, but I think that on paper could be a really good one. So hopefully, uh, maybe Evan go back into that one. Just, uh, just on him as well. I mean, it, one thing I've just checked, he's still only 21. Yeah. He's um, but it feels like he's been around forever. And if you look at his past few, his past two seasons in particular, dating back to when he was 19. When he was 19, he started 38 out of 38 Premier League games that season. Mm-hmm. Following yeah. year, he started in 34 and featured in 36. And this season so far, seven out of seven starts. So that's a lot of time on the pitch for, you know, a player who up until very recently was a teenager. Um, so in terms of getting him in, he's obviously going to be available every single week. Uh, and as I said, he's going he's gonna to kind of establish... The brand of football Everton are already trying to build towards, and specifically, he's going to feed the, the strikers and their main strength in the box. So, yeah, I would I wouldn't be against McNeil at all, even though it does seem to, from a distance, fit the problem 
that Everton have had in the past, but I don't think McNeil would. Hmm. Have you noticed as well? He's been uh, he's been playing a little bit more on the other side recently. Um, no, I haven't picked up on that. Is that since since Corny's come in? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's uh, he's been on the other side, and it just felt like he was exclusively a kind of one side to play because he is. Well, I would say so one footed, uh, but it just doesn't seem to cause many issues. He seems to just be able to do stuff yeah, one foot that players can't do with two. Um, yeah, I just look at his numbers now: ninety six percent left footed, <laughs> which is a lot. I mean, players, yeah. you, but you have a lot of players in the nineties, but I spoke to them around like ninety, eighty eight percent, and things like that. But ninety six percent left footed is is heavy. Yeah, it's it is very reliant on it, but he's very good with it. Um, and yeah, obviously, if he's playing on the right, you start thinking, oh, well, there's more shooting opportunities. He scored a really good goal against Everton last season at Goodison Park, cutting in and, and hitting one from there. So, um, yeah, maybe want to watch. I feel like we got sidetracked talking about McNeil there, but he's uh, <laughs> he is a, he is an interesting prospect uh, from Everton point of view. Uh, one more play, Josh Decore seems really good this year, doesn't he? Just briefly. Uh, the shackles seem to be taken off him a little bit. Um, and quite surprising, really, when you consider that he's kind of playing in like a... I wouldn't say double pivot, because it's 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 like a, a flat forward, isn't it, in the midfield? But he's playing he's playing in a two with Alan, but he's still doing really... He is like a kind of traditional box-to-box mix, mix, uh, midfielder, which you don't see that much anymore. Yeah, well, he's, he's being used exactly how he was used when he was at his best at Watford. And he's being exactly used how his skill set would want to be used, basically. Because yeah. he's can't, he, he, although he is a double, double pivot player, he, he is very, very, very mobile, um, sensing midfielder who, who can cover lots of ground. And if he did get forward, it's not that much of an issue because he can get back. And he does have that natural ability that some players just have to be in the right place at the right time when it comes to arriving in a penalty box. Yeah. And then in addition to that, he can obviously finish as well. With his head, um, when you've got crosses coming in the box from like the town's end, and he can finish with his feet too. So he is, he is in that, like, um, maybe I'm giving him too much praise here, but he is in that Lampard type mold, I think. Um, the arriving late kind of stuff, yeah, the arriving yeah. late kind of stuff, yeah. But I think he's actually a bit more mobile than Frank Lampard was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I, I do like that Benitez has kind of give him the license to when appropriate attack the box, arrive in the box late, you will get on the end of things, you will find a net. And out of the kind of double pivot that he's formed with Alan, Alan's been presented with the, you know, you you kind of oversee from deep. And it's kind of a, a good little pair in that, you know, did in terms of one player's strengths masking the other player's weaknesses and vice versa. Yeah. Question for you. Come on. Nally Gray, Andros Townsend, the core, right? Who's going in your fantasy team? You can only have one. Um, probably the Marty Gray. Um, but I, there's not much between them, and I think they're all the same price, funnily enough. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's, there's value in those Everton midfielders. Let me tell you. I think I've so I've had Gray from game week one, which has been uh, which has been very profitable, but. I think I uh, I would be tempted to maybe jump on the core right, if I had the option to do so. Uh, yeah, I put Townsend bottom of that list, like yeah, not against him, of course. No, but he's, no. Uh, yeah, it's just and you probably can see him dropping off more than the other two, can't you? Um, yeah, I mean the core the core could be in line to have his best his best season at Everton actually, 
uh, in terms of returns. So I'm just definitely just, at Everton, yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna get up his numbers now. So his mind you, his best return was decent to be fair. His best return in the Premier League season was 17-18. In fact, no, it was the season after. In 17-18, he scored seven and assisted three. And the wow. following year, he scored five but assisted six. So I think if you if you're maximizing the core, you're probably pushing ten goals and assists combined. It's like maybe plus. So if Everton can get a total this season from Decore of ten goals and assists, eleven goals and assists type thing, they've they've really maximised what he's good at. Yeah, yeah, that would be definitely be a good result. Um Alan started really well as well, which is, is good because I was a little bit concerned about somebody seems to be doing okay. Um but yeah, on the whole, good start. Um quickly looking ahead just before we finish, Evans next five fixtures, uh, West Ham at home. Wofford at home, Wolves away, Tottenham at home, and then City away. Probably gets a little bit tougher, doesn't it? Um, but you know, what are your maybe I guess general thoughts on on on, on those fixtures upcoming? And then I, I was going to ask you what you what you what you think of the season ahead, but I think we already touched on that earlier, didn't we? Yeah, West Ham could be interesting actually because. Uh... They they are very similar to Everton at the minute in terms of yeah. they they have two coaches that you would associate a good defence with, but West Ham at the minute can't keep a clean sheet to save their lives, but they've obviously got a lot of attacking threat. Michael Antonio arguably player of the season at the minute, um, and Everton again we've mentioned earlier, obviously Benitez typically defensive coach really in many people's eyes, but they've, they've offered more going forward than they have in defence, so that that could actually be a game where there's quite a few goals in that. Um, in terms of Watford, I would, I would expect Everton to win. In terms of Wolves, I see that as a nice fit. I would expect Everton to win that. Um, and then Spurs. They're a difficult one to nail at the minute, Spurs. Yeah. With Nuno in charge, it's hard to look at that game and determine who will see more of the ball. <laughs> to be honest, it should be yeah. Spurs, really. Um, but, you know, it's at Goodison Park, so I'm not sure on that one. And then Manchester City, I mean, and you get there as a an extra bonus. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm inclined to write City off away from home as well. I just think, um, as you said, anything in the bonus, but um, if they're going to play a few teams, stop them. But West Ham, I think that is such a good game. Um, yeah, I think that'll just be a really good game, even further neutral. Watford, uh, typically new manager come in. Hopefully they don't have the new manager bouncing. If they don't, should be okay. Uh, Wolves, away yeah never easy but again you know you'd like to you hopefully win that although they're just finding the feet aren't they uh I, I think i like what wolves are doing don't get me wrong i don't think that's a given by any means but i think specifically what they're trying to move towards everton have tried to move towards in the past before kind of recognizing or benitez has kind of recognized we know what we are now and yeah. i think everton's approach will cause issues for what wolves are trying to do playing playing with the ball a bit more and being a bit more expansive and just on City actually obviously we it makes sense to write it off totally but I think at the same time Benitez kind of has the makeup to do a bit of what Spurs did maybe on the first game of the season obviously he doesn't have the quality of of Son maybe um or the speed really of Lucas Moore but not not far off in in the Marty Gray and, and Townsend, and if Calvert-Lewin's fit by then, if Richarlison's fit by then, 
Benitez has picked up points from, from Pep before at Newcastle. More than one occasion, I think, actually. Hmm. So, if Everton have got enough in attack and he can maybe nick a goal through counter-attacks, which obviously City face on a regular basis, but not when he, when he faced a mobile counter-attack like Spurs, really mobile, they did kind of struggle to contain it. Um, and if Everton have got the best best eleven out, I wouldn't put it past Benitez's side to to get out fairly not often but enough to to cause a bit of damage. Yeah, make it at least a difficult afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think now might just be a good time to to round it off, Josh. Um, we 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 have to make a, a promise that we'll start doing them a little bit more regularly than than they have been. Um, in fact, we definitely will. So yeah, we'll we'll start doing the shows more often because, um, well, you know, people people always asking for it, which is good, and, and we enjoy doing it. So, um, so why not? But um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Josh, thank you as always. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. And uh, and take care, everyone. We'll talk soon.